keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Out full of suffering, suck attached, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And your teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killings. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roasts, the roast of Paul Heyman. I'm your host, Dan St. Germain. I'm here with uh, Scott Chaplin and Robert Karpolis, eagerly awaiting Mike Lawrence. Um, Zach is back. Eagerly. Zach is back. Um, I watched today, I went to a friend of the show's podcast, Zach Amico. I think you've done that podcast, Scott, right? The, yeah, the man. Matter of fact, the producer of that show we emailed did it me together, maybe. at like yeah. four in the morning and asked me if I could do it today. So I was probably going to do it with you. Um, well, I did it I today. I got this free yeah. cops hat, but also oh, the watch was hilarious. You should check it out, Robert, because I guess Full Moon Studios got the rights to Doctor Strange for like a year. So they started to make a Doctor Strange movie. But by the time that they made the movie... This was like in the 80s, but then they made a movie, they lost the rights. So it's clearly a Doctor Strange movie that they just changed to like Doctor Mordano. <laughs> and it's <laughs> it's like like every single thing instead of Infinity Stone, it's a galaxy stone. Like they they steal like everything and just change one word. It's fucking awesome. That oh, sounds fantastic. Um, it really is, Robert. You'd love it. Uh just to give you our Patreon schedule. We have an awesome Patreon. If you're not a member of uh, the $5 tier, you, $5 tier, you get three extra shows a month at least, uh, and which you, you end up getting more than that. And with the uh, with the $10 tier, uh, you're getting at like probably like eight shows a month. Or I mean, it's it's how much more shows you, you're actually getting? You get extra- eight additional shows. Yeah, on top of what we do for the normal Patreon, $10. So it's crazy. So there is a world in which. Like you was you have 16 episodes of wrestle roasts a month. So um all right, so that's we're what, off, that's we, what they'll say in your obituary. Yeah, yeah. Monday we are we are off for Patreon. June 20th, we're doing a watch along for a SmackDown Robert wrote. Uh if you want to look it up on Peacock, the uh I don't know what episode or season it is, but I it, have it, it up. Uh, it's episode, it's season seven, episode 37. September 16th, 2005, the first ever SmackDown match of Randy Orton and The Undertaker. And there's a whole lot of fun stories about that episode. It's going to be great. Wow. Okay. Uh, June 27th, we have our Forbidden Door pay-per-view. July 4th, The Roast of Sunny. Um, July 11th, we're going to be off. July 18th, Bash at the Beach. July 25th, we have our wrestling video game special. August 1st. The Roast of Marty Jannetty. In two weeks on the regular show, we're going to be doing Lonnie Poffo. In July, we got Jesse Ventura and The Godfather. August, we got Seth Rollins and, and Triple H. And uh, something of sports, um, Robert will be reviewing. Robert reviewed Raw this week, and I reviewed NXT in your house. Next week, I am back to retro SmackDown. It's uh, the SmackDown right before Armageddon, right before Stephanie turns on Vince. Uh, interesting one to talk about. And Robert will be in Raw. So a lot of stuff going on. 
Um, but we've got to start out with the bright side of Paul Heyman. You've heard the dark side of the ring. Bright side, we get to talk about what we love about him. And with Paul Heyman, man, this could be a this could be an hour. You know, this could be an hour long bright side. He's he is uh, arguably the greatest talker in wrestling history. An amazing commentator. One of the best, if not the best manager, Brock Lesnar, CM Punk, Roman Reigns. Um, maybe the best booker ever in terms of doing a lot with a little as ECW had, had an amazing grasp of talent and kayfabe accomplishment. He was pro wrestling illustrated manager of the year inside the ropes manager of the year wrestling observer, nine time award winner for best nine wrestler, uh, two time award winner for best on interviews, uh, best interview of the decade best non-wrestler of the decade, best color commentator, five-time best booker. Uh, one of those times was when he was running SmackDown, which was kicking Raw's ass, which, of course, his, his personality uh, kind of ixnayed that. Uh, but we're, we still are in the bright side. He is in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. And unless he fucking does something to really shit the bed in WWE, he will be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, you never are. I think the nicest thing you can say about Paul Heyman is uh, you're never bummed out when he's on screen. There's never been a time where I've been like, I've never been bored with a Paul Heyman promo. Some of them I think are better than others, but I mean, he's, he's the most consistent promo that I've, that I've ever seen. Um, Robert, I'm going to get to you last because you're friends with Paul, but uh, Scott, what's your opinion of Mr. Heyman? Yeah, I, th I think he's probably well, the it, maybe the most talented person to ever be involved in professional wrestling. I think he's had some of the best ideas, or at the very least, he did the best at filtering those ideas. I think he notices talent unlike anybody else. I mean, look, Brock Lesnar is very easy to notice, but there's other people too. And he always seemed to have his finger on the pulse of what was actually cool. And nobody had that, even people his age or people younger than him. Uh, no one got it quite like him, I think. Even, you know, recently there was that time he was in the UK. I mean, it's probably going on six or seven years now. But when he like offered Will Ospreay a contract that long ago at, at, at that thing, like he, he always knows who's great. You know, he's the one who wanted Punk to be pushed when the new ECW came around. Um, to have a guy like Rob Van Dam on your roster, who is like, you know, aside from the fact that ECW wasn't as big as WWF was, was someone that had the appeal of like a fucking Shawn Michaels. He, he just made magic happen, you know, extreme championship wrestling, the, uh, the Shane Douglas situation, all of these storylines he thought of um, all of his shoots after the fact, like there's, there's not anything he did that I, I can't, praise other than the the money he owed to people you know but other right. than that in, in terms of being creative it's like who is better than paul Heyman? he managed to get a fun moment at a ryback when he was briefly ryback's manager he was like with ryback and curtis axel it was like the worst time he's ever been a manager obviously um but like he softly kisses ryback like during a promo and it's so fucking funny it is so funny because he 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 kisses him it's like in a way it's not in a gay way it's not even in a, like a masculine friendly way he kisses him like an old italian grandmother it is so funny um and that was the best thing that moment is the best moment ryback's ever had and it well, will I, be the best he's ever had so. and, and that's what's so cool about him is you know growing up 
in the 90s and the early 2000s he's this creative genius who yes okay you know his company folds but you could respect his creativity and then he signs with the WWE and there's issues for so many years there was issues creatively where he felt like he was being stifled he disagreed on who was being pushed he wanted certain guys pushed and then he left and that was a big deal and now that he came back with Lesnar as this manager and he is so good at it and he's making all this money, we do forget that he was this person that forever we just wished that he was the one that that did what AEW did. You know, like remember when people were just yeah. begging him to, you know, somehow be involved in Impact and then he got a lot of shit because he said if he did work for them, he'd fire everybody over 40. Um, you know, he wanted ECW to be like what NXT was when everybody loved it, kind of like a ring of honor where great wrestlers wrestled. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I could just go on and on about how great he is. But then, yeah, when he became a manager, again, I, I in my opinion, the best manager, best on the mic, and therefore I think he's the best better than manager. Bobby, right? He's got to yeah, be Yeah, because he's Bobby. the best on the mic. And so, yeah. you know, Bobby was fun, but Heyman, it really, and I don't, I don't think anybody in particular draws anymore, but he at right. least he feels like it. Like he's someone where you go, Oh boy, he sold that pay-per-view and you believe it when you say it about him and you always say it about him. Yeah. I mean, pretty incredible. Um, Robert, I still want to save you for the end because you're uh, friends with Paul, but Mike, um, tell us about your uh, bright side of Paul Heyman. Yeah, man. Um, the, uh, I think the best talker ever uh, in wrestling Maybe one of you guys said that, and if you did, that I think me did. and Scott both said that, and we're just waiting for you and Robert to say the same thing. Yeah, man. I mean, did you say better than Heenan? Yeah, yeah. we did. Yeah, okay. You think so, he's better? Uh, I mean, like, look, I thought that there was an argument until Roman, but now because of what he's done now with Brock, Punk, and Roman. I don't think you can make an argument for anybody else. Yeah. And what he did with Curtis Axel and Ryback is not his fault because no, no one I was about it. to say there was one good moment. I don't know if you remember this when Paul Heyman kisses Ryback like an old Italian grandmother. It is phenomenal. So please look at that if you guys haven't seen and it. And none of us bring up Cesaro because we just don't know what to do with that information. You know, we're like, yeah, well, yeah. Like, fuck, he was talented. What did happen there? So we just don't I, Yeah, that was up. weird. I don't know what happened so weird, there. man. That, that was I the mean, one you where know, I also think we'll find out in AEW. Like a couple you know? years ago and put Umberto well, Carrillo on every week trying to make that guy a star, but bright Ooh. sides. <laughs> yeah. I just want to tag on to something Scott just said for a second with uh, Cesaro. I mean, the one slight, the one criticism you can give as Heyman as a manager is that the three people that he's managed, like, were already great, the ones that were great. Although Roman, I think he really added to the package. But Brock would have been great. You know, Punk would have been with, great with or without Heyman. So that would be the only argument because Paul Heyman got saddled with a lot of fucking bullshit. But what was uh, I still think about Heyman, Heyman and Roman is that it's like, I can't boo this guy because he's got cancer. But it's like, oh, but that guy is worse than cancer. Boo! <laughs> and he's well, also good at his job. Like, he, he is so ingrained into wrestling that, I mean, I don't believe anything that he says. Like, he's always working. Like, every podcast that he's on, you know, you never, you never know if you're getting the real guy. But it's I very also, tricky. I'm, it's not like MJF where you're like, oh, this is kayfabe. Like, Heyman, you never know. No. And, and, and the thing is, I don't mind. Like, I, I respect it. It's like, 
an old school thing. I mean, the guy, you know, like Cornette was a fucking kid um, taking photos and all of that. Just that, like, they, they have parallel lives. It's amazing that they both, were, you know, were like these hardcore wrestling fans who then, you know, made it at the, <laughs> to the top. I mean, and I, I'd say Cornette's close to him in terms of that talking. Like, they're so, he's just the Southern Heyman in many ways. Um, but yeah, man, it's like, I'm not a big ECW guy. It just wasn't my thing. I just didn't watch it. Um, so I can't talk that much in terms of positive about that, but yeah, I mean, I think he's one of the main reasons to watch WWE programming in the past 21 years. I think that, uh, WrestleMania 17 would not even be close to as good without him. Um, you know, uh, cause that's the, that's the Heenan test too, right? You're like, well, Heenan was better on commentary. Like Heyman was really fucking good on commentary. He was really good. On, I, I don't think he was, just, he wasn't as good as he, he, he wasn't as good as Heyman, but he was, he was really fucking good. And then, and then the last thing I'll say, uh, for you to Robert is, um, he made talking smack must watch television. And that's amazing. There was like that couple month long period that he was on, uh, you know, as the co-host with Kayla Braxton. And it was like a, a promo clinic. It was, it was awesome. And, you know, it was like, you know, each week he was, just and... he was just memorializing a former ECW guy. <laughs> yeah, but he would always like, like he made you give a shit about whoever he was sitting next oh, to. Oh, it was man. so unbelievable. Yeah. Because I think the thing that he does better than anyone in the history of the business is he knows how to talk up the opponent and it's such a lost art i don't think enough people do it in promos now but the way that he you know when lesnar's facing anyone i mean we know it's just going to be a bunch of fucking suplexes and f5 but he makes you believe it's going to be more than that and that it's like going to be this exciting thing and the way that he talks up somebody's accomplishments. I mean, you could see that that's that guy in the office. Like that's the dude who really did believe in CM Punk and could just fucking sell anything, man. Uh, He's it's the closest Big E has come to getting over was Paul Heyman talking to him on that talking smack. Yeah, man. And you're just like, wow, (laughs) this is fucking out. How does he do it? And it's just like, there's moment after moment, after moment, after moment like that. And, you know, the last thing I'll say, the brightest side of Paul Heyman, he's not Don Callis. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, uh, Robert, Robert, Bobby, um, Bobby. I guess Robert. I'm contractually obligated to say he's a good talker uh, to surround <laughs> it out for everyone. Um, he is probably the best uh, booker of all time in that you could give him anyone. And he's going to figure out a way to make this work. You know, you, you, they always say it's the Island of Misfit Toys was ECW. It was true. You, you take Scotty Flamingo or, you know, Leaf Cassidy or Aldo Montoya, and he's going to make them main eventers who feel like legitimate main eventers. The, the biggest criticism when, when ECW invaded Raw was how short everyone looked, because if you watched it on TV, Sabu and Taz seem like killers. And then when you see Taz and realize he's like 5'4", 
you're like, you're, you're like, oh, it was all smoke and mirrors and an illusion. He did so much with so little. And the stories that he told built the Attitude Era. It's what WCW ripped off. It's what WWF ripped off. He was willing to take risks and do things in a way that nobody else did. Um, he was a fantastic babyface when he would do stuff in ECW, when he made it this cult-like thing, I, I, not just backstage and talk to the locker room, but if you watched that show, it felt like you as the audience, it was you against the world. It's what Tony Khan thinks AEW is now. It's we are all one united group. And if you're riding with me, I will give you my all. And I know you'll give us your all. He was a an amazing heel. The stuff he did in WCW with Dangerous Alliance was absolutely incredible. Uh, obviously, the stuff he did with, you know, when he managed Brock or when he managed Big Show and, and turned on Brock the first time, he made Big Show a relevant main event monster heel. Um, his work in OVW, when I was on Kind of, kind of. But... During that storyline, during that storyline yeah, where Brock was a baby thing face. With Big Show that no one else did where he told his exact weight and his exact height and he, he like emphasized it because he wanted you to know I'm not lying to you. This is how big this guy is. This is the, like no one ever did that. It was like he's 800 pounds and it's just like, OK, whatever that means. Like he you let could, you know this motherfucker is whatever it was. And and that's what's going to crush you. And that's when Big Show started punching guys in the face and shit. Uh, yeah, he, he knew yeah. how to make that guy a giant when I was on creative and he was running OVW we'd get sent the tapes and watching those shows every week was a blast he took guys like Johnny Jeter and Matt Capitelli and made you think these are going to be the stars of the future he just he had that great eye for talent even when the guys weren't the best his his signature promos the ecw one night stand promo where he eviscerates everybody that's there the line about jbl being champion because triple h won't work tuesday nights is incredible his shoot promo against vince in the ring which we're he, talking about on the show yes i'm just i'm just highlighting here is was just Nobody else did that. Uh, the fact that he did have a vision for the future and saw that UFC was where the audience was going to gravitate to and navigated Brock into those waters and became his legitimate sort of manager and, and advocate and all of that was was great. When he was back running Raw a few years ago, uh, before he got ousted for the thousandth time, the guy that he saw the, the most potential in outside of Humberto Carrillo, Mike's favorite, was, was Malachi Black. And he's like, this guy is a complete package wrestler. He's a character. He can work in the ring. He can cut promos. I want to get behind him. And they just keep cutting Paul's legs off. Um, the last thing I'll say, and this will be I, I, the only time I'm ever earnest on this show, and I won't let it happen again. Um, right before I was leaving WWE, and I was going to law school and I was so I was a little conflicted about this decision, but I'm like, this is what I want to do. Uh, I worked a uh, an ECW event with with Paul and we rode back to his house where I had my car parked. And we, I was telling him, like, yeah, I'm thinking of doing this. And he, he stood on his driveway and we talked for God, almost two hours. And he talked about how his father was an attorney and that it was the most important, noble profession that there is and that what I'm doing is the, the right path. And he didn't have to do this. He didn't have to sit there and, and, and sell me on the shit. I owed him nothing. And it was such a, an important, earnest, heart-to-heart -heart conversation with someone that I, I truly looked up to uh, that just spoke to who he genuinely is. Uh, and, and with that being said, let's, let's gut the motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, By the way, let's this was, this was after, uh, 
five of his credit cards were declined at dinner and Robert had to pay for it. <laughs> uh, we've started. All right, Mike, pick your, uh, pick your poison. Uh, let's, let's start with Robert since he's very uh, emotional right now. And hey, that that's right. comedy. I can, it's making I can, us all uncomfortable. <laughs> but yes, I apologize. We will, we'll let that go quickly. <clears throat> the roast of Paul Heyman. Ladies and gentlemen, his name is Paul Heyman, a.k.a. What happens if MJF really lets himself go? (laughs) Unlike others in the business, Paul Heyman was the one promoter who couldn't be offended when a worker called him a Jew when getting his payout. (laughs) This is like this is a borderline Scott joke, but I still loved it. Uh, I don't want to say he was uh, dishonest, but Paul Heyman bounced more checks than Slovakia. (laughs) <laughs> it's a good Czechoslovakia joke. We don't get this light on here. Uh, Paul Heyman got his start as a promoter for Studio 54, which is proof that cocaine is not a weight loss drug. Heyman famously sued WCW over anti-Semitic comments made by Bill Watts. Watts de- uh, denied the comments, saying he didn't even know Paul was black. <laughs> Paul refused to work with any organization that was anti-Jew, which is, of course, why ECW wound up on the Nashville Network. (laughs) At various stages of his career, Heyman was the mouthpiece for Steve Austin, The Undertaker, and CM Punk. Because when you think guys who can't talk, you think Steve Austin, The Undertaker, and CM Punk. (laughs) In addition to being on WWE television, Paul runs the Heyman Hustle take one look at him and you realize this hustle doesn't involve cardio (laughs) while making ecw tv paul worked out of his mother's basement vince mcmahon said he'd never have done that mainly because trailers don't have basements (laughs) in ecw paul Heyman booked a crucifixion (laughs) angle because he wanted to improve upon what his ancestors did Paul Heyman is known for having the greatest mouth in the business, not belonging to a WWE diva. Paul Heyman was born on September 11th, or at least that's what the government wants you to think, according to Chris Jericho. <laughs> Heyman's Paulie Dangerously character is named after the Michael Keaton movie Johnny Dangerously, while the ECW roster was the basis for the Michael Keaton TV show Dope Sick. God damn it. Same joke. All right. Uh, out. <laughs> Paul Hammond had an eye for talent. He brought in Rey Mysterio, Mick Foley, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, Rob Van Dam, and the Dudleys, and lost money with them all. Are we sure he's Jewish? After Hammond's, uh, oh, sorry, Paul Hammond's ECW was known as the Island of Misfit Toys, or as Tony Khan calls it, AEW Dark Elevation. <laughs> <laughs> ECW is known for its hard-hitting style, though most wrestlers knew that working for Paul meant you'd get stiffed in the ring and then stiffed in the wallet. (laughs) Though that's different than getting stiffed by Pat Patterson, but that's a totally different show. When offered to run TNA, Heyman said he wanted to eliminate all talent over 40. His plan was called Operation Heart Disease. Paul Heyman managed Ryback, which is like making Beethoven play a triangle. A dumb, roided-up, talentless, piece-of-shit triangle. (laughs) Paul Heyman (laughs) suffered from insomnia, further proof that he doesn't watch Monday Night Raw. And finally, I am a Paul Heyman guy, in that I'm loud, opinionated, overweight, balding Jew whose opinions were never respected by Vince McMahon. 
<laughs> We're All right, that's great. Uh, Dan, let's hear uh, Robert Sterling. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paul Heyman, the man AJ Styles blames on killing Jesus's bush. Paul's the first time I've seen a guy who's looked like every phase of Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, Heyman bucked stereotypes. He's a Jew who's uh, good with wrestling, but bad with money. What's grosser, going bald or having a ponytail? The answer, both at the same time. <laughs> His mother is a Holocaust survivor, so he's used to millions disappearing. Sorry. Oh my god. He st- he started at Studio 54, which is now the age of WWE's demo. <laughs> uh, Vince Vince McMahon paid Paul Heyman a thousand dollars a week to rent Two Cold Scorpio, answering the question, What if Virgil was a shoot? <laughs> Before Brock. Paul Heyman promising the next big thing led to Con Ed shutting off Tommy Dreamer's power. (laughs) Uh, I'm not upset that Tommy Dreamer thought about killing Paul Heyman. He just picked the wrong WrestleMania. 17's already stacked, bro. Bring your 32 to 32. (laughs) Uh, He dresses like a guy who brings his own hot sauce. Uh, Brock once described his relationship with Heyman as feeding the Jew, which people were upset by. But on the bright side, at least we know that's a Brock metaphor and not something he does to rabbis captured on his farm. Uh, Heyman founded the ad agency Looking for Larry, opposed to Looking for Lonnie, which is uh, something the Poffo parents never did. (laughs) Heyman looks like the famous director... Alfred Hitch, where's my cock? Uh, he co-wrote, <laughs> finally, he co-wrote Death Clutch, the one about Brock Lesnar, not, not what happened to Chris Candido after fucking Sonny. Oh, my God. All right. All right. Scotty. All right, here we go. Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman is what happens when Marvel's kingpin fucks Woody Harrelson's kingpin. <laughs> his last name is also what people say when they open a check he gave them hey man (laughs) hey man (laughs) he he looks like if a frog in biology class put on a tie and convinced everyone he was a substitute teacher (laughs) he looks like if john lovitz john hated it fuck you dean Lucha Libre stars stopped working for him after their checks bounced higher than Hooventude on PCP. <laughs> uh, he made his initial, <laughs> I believe he made his initial fortune selling the Pam and Tommy sex tape. He looks like <laughs> how the cameraman in porn sounds. <laughs> the Attitude Era owes to Paul Heyman what Paul Heyman owes to the 2001 ECW locker room. Jerry Lawler hated ECW because the only one backstage under 18 was mass transit. <laughs> no uh, his birthday is September 11th, giving Jews two reasons to celebrate. 
<laughs> That's why they all took took off of work that day at the time. Remember, Dan? You know, right, yeah, I remember. Okay, yeah, uh, he looks like Slimer's lawyer. <laughs> He's like if Humpty Dumpty's Great Fall was the rise and fall of ECW. December to December is fitting because it's the night ECW was circumcised. Before Heyman, Rick Rude was Richard Kind. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Okay. Uh, the, Blue Word, the Blue Word Order was a group set out to show how much the NWO sucked by sucking. Then in one of Heyman's most controversial feuds, Raven turned Sandman's own son against him by telling Sandman's son the truth about Sandman. <laughs> he just told him how Sandman was. Uh, all those times Heyman was in hot water, you'd think he'd bring some soap. Huh? Now that's a Scott joke right there. Uh, they called him Tommy Dreamer because he must have been dreaming, thinking Paul would have ever paid him back. <laughs> uh, like how Laurenitis hired the wrong one-legged man. Paul Heyman hired Sandman, thinking that was what people were calling Sabu. <laughs> Before Paul Heyman, a kendo stick was what you'd throw to play fetch with Mrs. Cornette. <laughs> Before Paul Heyman, a barbed wire bat was how victims described Grizzly Smith's penis. Oh, Jesus Christ. Before Paul Heyman... A flaming table was any table Patterson had a ring boy crawl under while he was eating. Oh, Jesus. Before Paul Heyman, a trash can was just where Snooka stuffed his dates. <laughs> uh, he took influence for ECW from grunge, which is why he eventually shot it in the head. He hired Sonny after her relationship with WWE hit a speed bump. And uh, Paul and Sonny hit it off great thanks to their mutual love for fucking the boys. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Oh, okay. that was That's good. great. Right. Okay. Uh, today we're roasting Paul Heyman, the son of Holocaust survivors who saved his career by befriending and managing Brock Lesnar, king of the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, his dad was a crusty Jewish lawyer who didn't spend enough time with him. So in 15 years, get ready for Robert's kid to start his own promotion. J-E-W. J-E-W. It's unfair to compare Robert to Heyman. Uh, Robert only got fired by Vince once. <laughs> he sued WCW in 1993 for anti-Semitism, thus inspiring the gimmick, The Ultimate Solution. <laughs> He's persistent. Every time you count Paul Heyman out, he makes like one of his checks and bounces right back. <laughs> he started out as a teenage photographer at wrestling shows, just like Jim Cornette. And just like Jim Cornette, he has no problem watching wrestlers get fucked. <laughs> yes paul still owes lots of money to many talented wrestlers and also tommy dreamer <laughs> he's known for accentuating someone's strengths and hiding their weaknesses which is something i really believe in as a person who can't make eye contact and host a audio podcast <laughs> <laughs> mikey whipwreck sandman dreamer Okay, he wasn't the best at making homegrown stars, but he did find a lot of talent in Canada, Mexico, and Eric Bischoff's trash can. <laughs> 
Tony Khan learned everything about booking from Paul Heyman. Like if your homegrown champion fails to get over and draw ratings, just bring in guys from Japan. (laughs) (laughs) After years of just incredible versus Rhino matches, ECW was closing and it was time for Paul Heyman to face the music, even though he had never legally cleared any of it. (laughs) He's proof that if you just try hard, don't pay your wrestlers, and let grown men have wrestling matches with two moves and 12 cheese graters, you too can sell out a bingo hall in Philadelphia. (laughs) You know what else could sell out a bingo hall in Philadelphia? Michael Vick's dog fights. He made his debut in WWE uh, by replacing Jerry Lawler. He, uh, you know, Lawler used to hate Heyman, but after the mass transit incident, he said, Paul, I respect anyone uh, who lets an underage minor do whatever they want with their body. <laughs> Man, Mass Transit really got pedophile on this episode. <laughs> he revitalized himself as the best manager in WWE. Take that, Armando Estrada and Shelton Benjamin's mama. <laughs> Thank God he only ever wears suits now. He's so weirdly shaped they could make him the winner of the next Owen tournament. Paul Heyman's such a good talker that he convinced me that the same Roman Reigns match every month will be exciting and new or that Brock Lesnar can draw hell he could even convince me that Dan's finally found the happiness that's eluded him all this time (laughs) (laughs) my client Dan St. Germain enjoys life (laughs) it's so sad because I can hear my wife laughing (laughs) in conclusion I love Paul Hammond, he's the best manager of all time. The worst manager, whoever's representing Scott Champlin. <laughs> the funniest guy here. No make him a star. <laughs> uh, good job, guys. Hey, let's get to uh, Ain't That Swell. We're doing Ain't That Swell, not showing hell. We picked, uh, for Ain't That Swell, I picked Mike Lawrence's favorite promo, which I think I'm right. That's, this is your favorite promo, right, Mike? Yeah, man. All right. Um, if you haven't seen it, this is during the, uh, you know, the ill-fated invasion angle. It's right before uh, the uh, WWE versus, versus uh, WCW ECW Alliance show. Basically, Paul Heyman unloads these uh, criticisms that he had. You know, it, you know, it's interesting watching this because it it's a great shoot promo. But when you learn more about what was actually happening behind the scenes, you realize that he's in this promo playing to what the internet thinks and not necessarily what he believes because he was too much money from Vince. Like ECW like stayed alive because of Vince in a lot of ways, you know? And, and yeah, yeah. Vince stole some shit, but Vince steals shit from everybody and wrestling. I mean, wrestling, you just steal shit. That's just kind of the business for, yeah, for better. Billy for got drunk, saw Mad Max and was like, you're the road warriors. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, like when Scott Hall, you know, like, like is like uh, uh, the crow, you just be the crow. And that's like one of the best ideas ever. You know, it's just I like cocaine. Make me Scarface. <laughs> um, you know, the, the most interesting part of this promo for me, if you haven't seen Paul Heyman, he basically lists all his grievances of WWE um, and, and tears down Vince. He, he, he cuts into uh, Vince uh, flaunting his affairs in front of his in front of his wife what he did to his kids. He talks about Vince stealing all his ideas, Vince Vince uh, taking the blood of Hulk Hogan and creating Titan Towers. Just so many fucking awesome lines in this promo. Um, 
But the funniest part of me is Vince's reaction because Vince reacts to Heyman's promo, shoot promo. Like he's not phased at all. Like, like the way he, he reacted to Bray Wyatt. When yes. He entered the ring with him. It's the yeah. same thing as how he reacted to the Phoenix. Yeah, it's yeah, all Scott, just like, I'll you fuck you up, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, jump in, Scott. What do you think of this promo? I love this promo. And, and you know, if this is Mike's favorite promo, um, I, I can't argue that because other famous promos, like, okay, what, MJF's last week or um, CM Punk's Pipe Bomb, the reason they're so great is because it is like complete scorched earth because the idea is I don't want to be here which isn't necessarily selling, like they're not selling anything, right? It's just, I, I want to leave. Whereas this promo is selling a pay-per-view that's happening on Sunday. So he's saying all these fucking insanely terrible things to Vince and these completely honest things to Vince while then also like weaving in total horseshit story. Like, cause I remember watching this as a kid and being like, God damn, this is such a shoot. And when I watched it this time, at first I was disappointed because it so obviously wasn't a shoot. It's, and then it's I not realized, at all like MJF Punk. It's yeah, not and then I realized like, like oh, wow, this is him. actually fantastic. Yeah, like the way he does weave back to just, again, selling this pay-per-view that was really silly. This angle was extremely silly. And to be able to sell it in that way, uh, yeah, it just worked out perfectly. Uh, it, it, it's badass. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it and, did you guys different. ever hear him tell the story about how, how it happened and stuff? Like... Um, Michael Hayes was like, Hey, if you want someone to shoot on you, like Heyman will tear a hole in your ass or whatever. So he just let Heyman say whatever he wanted. And, you know, Heyman all day was like, Vince, are you sure you don't want me to tell you what I'm going to say? And he was like, Nope, just let me know. And he's like, you're not going to say anything back. And he's like, Nope. And he was like, okay. And that's just how it went. Vince didn't like, had no idea what he was going to say. Did Vince care afterwards? No, I guess. No, he's, he said, Oh, what did he say? Vince basically was just like, you know, you know, put some, seats and you know put some asses in seats basically like yeah. that's all i want you to do i want you to sell this fucking show you know well it helps that vince doesn't hide anything about himself it's not like i i don't know like hypothetically if a guy was running a wrestling company right now and didn't want you to know about him or his family's shady background in business or how he handles himself behind the scenes or something hypothetically theoretically not that i'm naming anybody like tony khan <laughs> but the fact of the matter is like vince is just overt like yes I stole the company from my father. I literally made all of my money by by breaking wrestlers and then not caring about them and casting them to the side. I openly talked in Playboy magazine about cheating on my wife. I've humiliated and embarrassed my children because I think it's funny. Like, he doesn't care. So if you're going to use it on TV, use it. There's literally nothing you can say. It's the same thing he did with the, the punk promo. He's like, keep talking until I decide to cut you off. And eventually he reached the point where Punk was going to talk about some of the anti-bullying stuff. And that was where they cut it off because that's something that they just didn't want out there from a PR perspective. But you can say anything about Vince McMahon and he's not going to give a shit because at the end of the day, he lives his life open and outward. And he's also a fucking billionaire. So if you're going to have someone do it, you have someone that's eloquent like Paul Heyman do it as opposed to like a clodhopper like Ryback. So it's it, it works, and it was an incredibly effective promo that did weave it into here's why me and our, our ragtag group of, of fucking losers wanted to destroy you. And it was also an important promo because the first time they mentioned Hulk Hogan on WWE TV in years, 
like he was just out of continuity. You never talked about him. And then you invoke his name here and it piques people's interest. And like, oh shit, they mentioned Hogan. Like he must be shooting on, on Vince here. And I think part of it is Heyman looks the way he does and Vince will accept that. You know, he's, it, it's, it doesn't matter what you say to me because it's coming from you and I am superior than you. Look at me. Well, guys, uh, we're going to be moving into our Dynamite or Dud review. Uh, I didn't say anything Dynamite. about promo. Oh, you didn't? Oh, it's Mike. <laughs> it's Mike's favorite promo. Why is, why is, like, why is this your favorite thing. promo? Why is this your favorite Okay, promo? so I, I, I'd say this is my favorite in-ring in promo. My favorite promo, it, we've, I've, ta- I, I've said this before, is the Jake after um, Elizabeth at Tuesday in Texas in terms of a backstage. I, I do look at them differently. Um, but this is just beautifully done and performed. I think you guys said it really well in terms of, yeah, man, like you could watch this at any time and it makes you excited <laughs> for the invasion angle, which should be impossible because it, it wasn't good. Um, but he believes in what he's doing so much. I love that it sticks to the landing of silly pro wrestling, you know, where he's like, and you made Taz. He was a killer and now he's an announcer. And the choke is so fucking goofy. Vince's line is the goofiest. You know, he's like, on Sunday, you're going to do what you're doing now. And that's choke. It's like so bad. But it's like wrestling is inherently fucking goofy and silly, but it works best when it is based in some kind of reality. I mean, yeah, unlike a lot of other shoot promos, nothing here. It's There's no, like, the boys in the back or that kind of shit. This is all, like, you know, factual stuff. And, I, I mean, my favorite part is that the whole thing about Vince's dad, that you swore on, you know, your father. Her father! <laughs> yeah, man. And you, you you know, took, you know, and, and, and there's so much about it. It is funny to see like, Vince, like, you, not phased at all by that, though. It's funny because there's so much about Heyman where you think Heyman cares about these territory guys and he doesn't. He's just doing it to set up. But worst of all, you stole my ideas. And it's so it's so fucking awesome because whether or not the actual guy believes that in that moment, I believe that that character does. Yes, we know that ECW was funded. Yes, but you know, but it is like like what he did with Foley and uh, Austin, especially and 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 where Vince took that, yeah, you, you can give Heyman a lot of credit. I think Vince did by <laughs> keeping the lights on, but it is just so fucking glorious because I think you could show this to anybody who isn't even a wrestling fan, and it and it connects. And and that to me, like, there's so few things in wrestling I think that are truly like transcendent. There's like a couple matches, there's a couple moments, and I think this is one of them because we've all felt like this. We've all felt like we've been fucked over. And, you know, the whole thing of like Austin and and McMahon of like, you get to tell off your boss, like this is that to another level. And it's just so well done. And the fact that he looks as horrible as he does, I mean, you, you made a joke about it, Dan, and it made me laugh a lot. I mean, the balding ponytail is hideous. It's crazy. Yeah. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is just yeah man you you watch this promo and you're like thank god uh they always hire this guy back because he's invaluable i mean he's 56 now and i don't see him stopping anytime soon in terms of being able to craft uh great promos like this and just make you fucking believe and 
he makes you like kayfabe because he lives in it and it's fucking fun yeah and especially now that he's not a booker or a commentator or on creative like he's just have he's just playing a character so he could do this for fucking 25 years yeah he's the yeah, best man. actor in wrestling yep yeah so and i don't get sick of it now. man that's the yeah. amazing thing yeah no i don't get i don't get sick of it either um we but are something we can get, get sick of uh, <laughs> it's uh <laughs> Scott's got to yeah. go in 10 minutes, right? So let, let's. Oh, yeah. Let's, so let's like. Yeah, uh, so we yeah. got to we gotta let Scott talk first. Hey, but let's act us. like this is a main event of Dynamite. Right, guys, we got guys, eight minutes, guys. Come on. Okay. Hold on. Dan, Dan, hold on. <laughs> yes. Dan, Dan, substitute teacher Dan has something to say. Holy shit. Uh, Andrade yeah. interfered. All right. J- I, a former co host of the show, James Mattern, will be joining us and reviewing Dynamite with us. Uh, Zach, you went and Mr. Mattern in. I don't have his email, and he's not invited. Oh, yet. I invited him. I've invited. I invited. He's him. not joining yet. Jeez. <laughs> oh, and hey, well, if sounds... you if if you guys listening don't know who he is, that's okay. We're gonna make a big deal out of him, anyways. We're gonna. I'm gonna wear a mask and talk very fast and explain everything he's ever done. <laughs> that's a wrestling. That's wrestling, baby. Who no, this that's guy? not wrestling. I didn't know Rey Mysterio until I saw Rey Mysterio. You know what I mean? I didn't know anybody until I saw anybody. Right, well, right, right but they introduced Rey Mysterio with weeks and weeks of vignettes of a match. Exactly. We're, we're, we're gonna get. Shit. We're gonna get. Wait, we're gonna get in review in a second, Zach. I have a question. I inv- I can invite him from my Zoom though, right? Because I invited him, or does it have to be from you? It has to be the specific link to the Zoom, and I don't know if you have access to that. Um, we're leaving this all in because this, this is, is what it's like to right, I'm gonna, I'm yeah gonna this is the commercial you. break at, this is the at, at, at 54 yeah, this <laughs> is like forbidden <laughs> door booking right here uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna message you i'm gonna message you his uh his email um yeah let's let's just talk about i'll, I'll get you guys going in hour one um uh scott uh first half we had the battle royal the atlantic championship reveal Hawk versus Buddy Murphy, Eddie Kingston promo, and the FTR best friend segment. What did you think of that first hour, Scott? All right, here we go. So the uh, the battle royale opens up, and I'm going, wow, this is really good. This is a lot of fun. They have a really fun, uh, diverse, and you know, uh, re- you know, wrestlers, blah blah blah, and then like no stars come out you know and it's for the title and in my opinion you should like drop everything i don't mean with hangman necessarily i think you can finagle away out of hangman being in this match but in terms of like jericho you know like i don't know why aren't much bigger names in this take take a shit it was in there what are you talking about well he he is i i like that he was in there i just wish there was you know more guys as well and um, I love like, that I agree with like, Scott on all. Yeah, of this. like the ass boys don't need to be in there, you know. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe they walk out with Max Caster or whatever, but you know, they don't need to like. But anyway, okay. Um, then, so then, no stars come out, and then fucking Kyle O'Reilly wins. And I get it in terms of like, oh, he can take a loss, but we know Kyle O'Reilly isn't going to be in this main event of this pay per view. So now we're just like, oh, we're going to get a hard hitting match in the main event. But I, I, I want it to be emotionally invested because it's about a title, you know? Yeah, so it's kind of like Freaky Friday. writing a version of himself that's missing chromosomes. No, but listen, this match was very good. I thought it was very laid, um, very well laid out, stuff like that. It's just, again, put in better guys. Um, maybe pick a better person to wrestle Moxley, even though I understand you have to pick Moxley because New Japan also has to sign off on who's going to fight Tanahashi. And Moxley already works with New Japan. Easy peasy. 
we don't mind if Moxley pins Tanahashi. Is right? easy peasy who Tanahashi's facing? <laughs> uh, hey, that well, got Rosie our, O'Donnell uh, kicked off Mattern, the view, just, okay? James Matter, who uh, <laughs> you know, you know him from um, the uh, checks. But what's the podcast? Check spot that we did, James. We did. Thanks for coming out, but uh, I don't know if thanks that's coming, coming out, out again. That's another thing. But uh, I got a thing on YouTube called the Check Spot documentary and check special. Check. It's the worst part of the comedy show, guys. It's good to be here. Sorry, I'm a little late. Perfect timing to come in and fill that yeah, rant. We're talking about the James. We're talking about the first hour of of uh, Dynamite, which was the Battle Royal, the Atlantic Championship reveal. Pockford's Buddy Murphy, Eddie Kingston promo, FTR best friend segment. Scott is. I'm gonna go back to you. Uh, okay, ready? Atlantic Championship now. Ready? Atlantic Championship reveal. Now, initially, I'm disappointed because I want a trios title. And when you want what, when you go, hey, we're getting uh, chocolate ice cream, and then they give you a different kind of ice cream. You go, what the fuck? I thought we were getting chocolate. You, you know, we've all been talking about this chocolate ice cream for months, uh, but you get it. And then you have to like, this is how it makes sense. If it is a title that is constantly defended overseas, if it is defended in New Japan, if it is defended in like Rev Pro, um, in AAA, places like that, then that is a very cool title. And also if Tony tightens up a little bit and actually is like every feud is for a title and, 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 you know, goes back to his initial idea of what AEW is. I do not hate the title. I do hate that it's called the All-Atlantic title and then, like, Japan is, you know, on it and stuff. But whatever. Hey, the match is going to be amazing, the fact that it's a four-way. And also, like, look, like, you go, oh, like, you have to remember CM Punk got hurt. So some of this is just, like, sticky. You go, like, wait, you're introducing a new title while also, like, crowning an interim title and it's like well that wasn't supposed to happen so here we are um then the ftr thing look i thought trent beretta wasn't good in it i did love the rest i think aussie open is awesome and i think will osprey was great and got a big pop that's hour one okay everybody go i got five minutes uh, and well, darby James, allen uh, just darby allen just jumped off a ladder you want you want to just let Scott give his review of the whole show? Since yeah, what happened, yeah, what, what happened hour two? What happened hour two? Okay, hour two. Then Scott's got to head out of here. Finley versus uh, Adam Hangman Page, and then a uh, weird Hangman promo afterwards. Wardlow promo uh, backstage. The Hardys Jurassic Express and uh, uh, the fucking Bucks. Uh, Red Dragon or the Bucks. Oh, sorry. They. Oh yeah, they I like that. Him. I'm just I'm gonna forget that. So I like that because it sets up a really fun match in an easy way that explains why FTR isn't going for the titles, even though they should be. It's just, oh, because Christian kind of pitched this because he's uh, he's fucking up, you know, this he's this title reign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We also so have I thought Marina that was cool. We also oh, yeah, Marina Shafir, uh, Thunder Rosa was a great match. Great match. It was and a really I did, good like, match. It was just weird that they, like, I why was it a championship? Uh, not, <laughs> okay, it wasn't a great match. It wasn't a great match. Mike it, Face look, is great. It right shouldn't now. have happened. But it was it was a fine match, and I think the ending was good. I think the ending was good. Okay. okay. Um, All right. Then the Jade Cargo promo in the main event: John Moxley versus Kyle O'Reilly. That was fine. But oh no, the Hangman thing because that's important. Um, look, nobody gives a shit about David Finley. Like I like you know like like New Japan fans aren't like holy shit David Finley. So when he's wrestling David Finley, there's no real connection, you know. But I do know he was supposed to be wrestling Okada. Remember, CM Punk is supposed to be the champion right now, and you can't change these plans when it is interpromotional. And unfortunately, the month they lose their champion, they have an interpromotional pay-per-view. It's uncomfortable. It's a bummer. This show's going to be badass, though, just like this main event. And just like most of this show had great wrestling 
Um, but again, it's great wrestling with Kyle O'Reilly in the main event. So it's, <laughs> it, it's a it's a bit of a bummer, but I, I feel like Moxley will probably win this. I think it would be interesting if Tanahashi won it just because it's like, oh, wow, no, an interim champion. That, yeah, they can't. I think it's uh, going yeah, to be. That's it. The end. What's what's uh, what's forbidden about Moxley fighting Tanahashi if that would happen anyways? Well, it's allowed, well, it should be called a loud door. Oh, absolutely. And so you do have to stack everything else, you know, and I, I think. You know, Dominion is this Sunday, and I got to go now, but uh, that's going to be my high spot is I'm, I get to watch Dominion this Sunday, and I think it's going to, you know, build some other wait, matches. Wait, wait, for, for, what does that for me, mean for me? Do I watch it Sunday morning? Sunday or... morning, yeah, Sunday morning. It's uh, it's going to be a New Japan world. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch know, live. I always, I always like Yeah, and, um, and a lot of these matches are going to either build to matches for AEW. There's probably going to be AEW guys – you know, with promos on it or possibly showing up. So I'm excited for that because there hasn't been a lot of reasons to watch New Japan. That's it. Bye, oh, Scott. boy. Ciao. Scotty. Peace out, James. Hey, baby. James, what, let's buddy. just do the whole episode since Scott already went through the whole episode. Let's, James, what was your, since you're our guest, and then we'll get to Mike and Robert who have very different opinions than Scott about this episode. I'm not, not to let the genie. No, we have mind. a lot of similar, actually. This is yeah, weird. about David Finley and why weren't there stars in the Battle Royale? All right, well, there's two. Um, but uh, I, I meant all the positive things. James, um, what did uh, James, what, what do you think about this episode of Dynamite? So I have been uh, a defender of AEW. I've loved AEW. It has waned a bit. And last night, it, I'm really at a crossroads. Like Scott said, first of all, Scott should just do five-minute recaps for everything. It's the best <laughs> ever. It's just wonderful and pinpoint. Um, so Dude, so the, they do this battle royal, and they want everyone to have their intro. And instead, they they don't want to repeat intros, so they have the whole stables come out. Look, we know it's not real. We know it's scripted, but at least fucking just, just don't hit us over the head with it, all right? Just like the stepdad. We know you're banging mom, but don't leave the panties on the table. Like, like be subtle about it a little bit. The whole stable, so we get it. it all three guys just happen to draw diamonds. I can't. I hated it. There wasn't enough meat on the bone in that match, as as everyone has said. Um, guys, I, I look. This is uh, Kyle O'Reilly versus Moxley was was not what anyone expected. There was, it, it, it was, it ended up being a fine match. I can't believe that's what they went with. And at this last minute, is that it went with chalk basically? I, I told everyone, I'm like, there's no way Moxley, if that's the one they're advertising, already is going to be the one who wins. And they did. It's so lackluster. And I'm going to tell you guys this. I think it's going to be Tanahashi who beats him. That way, Punk gets his Tanahashi match when he comes back. I'm saying it here. I'm hot taking that shit. That way, Punk's probably like, okay, don't take the belt fully off me, but I get Tanahashi again. Um, So the Battle Royal was kind of bored with the whole time. I, I just thought it was sloppy and whatever. And too many dudes in the ring at the same time. Uh, here's the problem. I don't know what you guys think about this. AEW is kind of now what we like hated about WWE when they started. I feel there's too many people. There's not enough for them to do and, and enough with the goddamn belts. Holy shit. There's like you kissed my cousin in third grade belt. There's this belt. And just <laughs> an, they don't mean shit. There's an, a, another company has belts. If everyone has a belt, I hate to break it to you. No one has a belt. No one has a goddamn belt. If everyone has a belt. And so 
I was really turned off that first hour, and it was, I hate to admit it, a struggle to get to the second. Uh, Jade Cardigal was one of the highlights of this show to me. So that should, that, uh, I'll drop the mic on that to let you know how I felt about this. Yeah, I guess I like this better than all of you guys, but um, let's start with Mike. Mike, what do you think about, what do you think about the show in general? Yeah, man. Um, I was like, I don't, you know, I went live last week. You, because know, like, it's so, I'm, I'm going to admit, I'm a little heated. Someone on the Facebook page said that they're tired of me bashing AEW. I genuinely came to AEW as a fan. I was at Double or Nothing 29. I've been there Mike since cuts the beginning. like a shoot payment promo on this Facebook fan? <laughs> I, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I'm a little heated. No, man, because it's like I I give money to this company. I buy their fucking toys. <laughs> I got an AEW yeah. jacket. Like, I just don't like the direction that no defending yourself makes it sadder the oh, i know <laughs> I this isn't a dignity podcast it's a wrestling podcast <laughs> that's true two yeah, totally yeah. different things yeah so we already so failed think- somewhere else in life to be here so <laughs> do so you think you can dignity coming on fox so. yeah. yeah we're all living in glass houses buddy uh but anyway <laughs> and, and there's an earthquake any second but i i just think that i just I didn't like NXT for a reason. And this is NXT. Like when you see Regal standing next to Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Adam Cole, I'm like, that existed for a couple yeah. years and I never watched it because I didn't care about it. And also, Regal standing next to those three, it felt like the Nana and Muppet babies. Like you could have just seen his <laughs> legs because they look so fucking small <laughs> next to him. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I, and I think the thing, (laughs) I hope he's wearing the same socks. Thanks buddy. (laughs) I think the thing that really hit me hard was during the battle Royale. I'm like, yeah, they have so many people, but it's like, they have way less stars than you think. And I think what really hurt this show. Okay. So no MJF. I I think we got to address that because I get like, okay, we don't fully know what's happening. And I don't mind being worked. If I'm being worked, that's fine. That's part of why I'm a wrestling fan. But if he wasn't there because they're just doing the angle, um, I think they really needed him. You had no Jericho. You had no Daniel Bryan. You had no Miro. Miro came back last week with this great promo. We didn't even get one of his like one minute beauties. Like his, he does the best one minute promos. We didn't get one of those and no punk. Like, so and I don't think there was anyone of equal value to those stars on here. Um, I really didn't like Adam Page's uh, promo. I think because it's literally like this is two times in a row. I could say what I want, but I'm not like there's no subtlety in wrestling. It's fucking wrestling. Just say what you want. You know, Hogan doesn't like tease ripping the shirt. He rips the shirt. Just fucking rip the shirt off. Like if you're going to say something and, and, and also he's number four in the rankings. Like, why would he not be allowed to wrestle for the world title? And then like MJF did everything he fucking could to get Wardlow over. And they put him with Mark Sterling, man. Like it's like, and, and, and in the death slot of the, or the uh, nine fifteen. I will say this him versus like 20 security is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. But we've seen it, it every week. A lot of fun. <laughs> That's, I mean, look, look, you know who else agrees with you? Dave Meltzer came out against this episode. That's how you know it really Uh-oh. struck him. I just, well, you know, it's funny because to me, it's like I watched this, I'm like, this was made for him. This is, this is made for work rate guys. Like, that's the thing. It was not a bad wrestling show in the sense that the work was good, you know, like, yeah, Moxley, 
and Kyle O'Reilly had a good match, but there was no intrigue. There was no excitement. I mean, there's no sizzle to the steak, right? It was just a steak. It was just, there's nothing sizzle. There's no accoutrement to it. But you know what my, my biggest problem is with AEW right now, and this is recent, I think that it has lost its identity. I think that in trying to do all this New Japan stuff and this Ring of Honor stuff and bringing in all these NXT and WWE guys, like, I'm going to fucking say it. I miss QT Marshall. I miss Orange Cassidy. I like, you know, fucking bring on Danhausen and Hook next week because at least it's theirs. Like a lot of the shit they're doing isn't even theirs. And it's like, yeah, Will Osprey come out with three guys that weren't even the same guys that beat up FTR the last time. <laughs> it's just it's just a stable with like endless groups of people. Like they're they're popping out of uh, fucking Coolio's backseat in the Fantastic Voyage video. <laughs> it's just like, it doesn't feel like it knows what it is anymore because it's trying to be so many things. And this is a this is a promotion that, really helped get me through the fucking pandemic man like i look forward to watching this show every week and even if there was stuff that i'm like why the fuck is brock anderson walking out in flip-flops it was theirs and now you have david finley <laughs> like it's just who gives a fuck man i i want to i want to love this company i want to care about this company if this is a the direction they continue in i don't want to watch it anymore i'm done well, since like we had three people in a row, Barry, uh, Barry, I'm just gonna go through my 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 pluses on this show. Okay, I'm not gonna. First off, Pac and Buddy Murphy have the greatest fucking chemistry. It's an awesome match. I wish. I mean, I wish Pac was in Japan. I mean, not Pac. I wish uh, Murphy was in Japan. I just think that like, if you know, he's in Japan for the next couple of years, he could get on that. You know, Kenny Omega, uh, yeah, um, uh, Switchblade level. Uh, the, the, I really think that that, you know, Kingston cut that promo and then he like grabbed the key grip. I want to see fun. that guy. Great. I want to see that guy become Kingston's manager. I think that would be hilarious. Is Ralphus? Yes. It's perfect for Kingston. Cause it's a guy, it's the opposite of Ralphus where he's going to make the guy feel uncomfortable all the time, you know, like, <laughs> and, 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 and it would be, it would be like a great, it would almost be like a midnight run sort of combo, you know? I want to believe um, that everything Kingston's been saying is just that guy's life. Like that guy's been married for 20 years. I, I popped for Osprey. I popped for Osprey, even though I understand, you know, uh, I, I really, I have to say, man, don't call it Wardlow's world. It just sounds so. Sounds so horrible. horrible. Sounds like a it bad sounds, video game you get for Christmas and want to return it. That's really yeah. bad. Sounds like a, Bob, a Howie Mandel cartoon. Mm-hmm. And, and I love Jared saying, Tony, cut the shit. But you have to say the beginning of the promo. That's where it goes. It doesn't go at the end. She always says, cut, cut the shit at the end. I was like, cut the shit. She should cut him off with cut the shit. Um, and did you guys notice how surprised the main event referee was when Moxley didn't blade? He's like, well, wait a second. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is weird. Well, he bladed um, it in three minutes to Garcia last week. So that's true. <laughs> Robert, what do you think of this program? I loved this episode of Dynamite. Uh, this was everything I've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks. Like this is my summation. If I was go if I was in court, I would just put this in the VCR, push play, and go here. You fucking go. A week ago, we talked about on the bonus episode, which you haven't listened to it yet, guys. Go back and listen to it and hear how much smarter we are than Tony Khan, which really isn't that difficult based on this show. We said <laughs> what this should have been was a tournament, and they could have done the all Atlantic bullshit of you do four singles matches, then a four way. Who cares? And I said last week, 
you're not going to buy a battle royal when the ass boys are in it and who is in the battle royal and got an entrance on television the ass boys who both deserve to be champion the final four i will give them credit you went with andrade kyle o'reilly ray phoenix and, and wheeler yuda these are different guys these are these are people who have not gotten that main event shot yet one of them really should have had the opportunity to go for the title because it's an interim title. It doesn't really matter. You could have even, you know, you could have justified Andrade being in there. You hasn't had him in a while. See what the guy can do. I get that he was on his honeymoon where he injected every steroid imaginable into his body for a week because he looked like <laughs> he was like inflated with a balloon. Um, him and Buddy Murphy looked like they were about oh, to pop. Buddy, Buddy Murphy, like I was looking like, if you saw that guy in real life, it would be fucking terrifying. Uh, like I'm beginning to understand why why Alexa was was with him for a while. You'd the, be the, even more scared when you found out his name is Buddy. Buddy, yes, his buddy, and that and that creepy like gap wife, smile. I just marveled at his body, like the cornets last night. I can see that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, him and him and Pac uh, was a great match, but it kind of goes to the the problem with the show, which is work rate is great if this was an indie company. If work rate mattered, Ring of Honor would be the biggest company in the world. They wouldn't have even been bought for like twenty bucks. It was a really fun match. It would have been a great NXT match, but it's not. There was no story there. There was no excitement to it. That Trent it's thing different. was. It's just the professional independence, you know. Like, they are, but the, but if you're the professional independence, call yourself that. Don't pretend like you were trying to be the singular force within professional wrestling. Mike said something last week that was so damning about AEW, which was there were really no kids at the show. Wrestling needs kids because you need to hook them young so that they become fans for life. There is nothing on this show that is a gateway for a child to want to tune in and watch this program. There was the one kid that was painted as Darby, and then they That's did not, not a show great role again model. when Darby got thrown out. Your role model shouldn't be the same size as you. Like, that's <laughs> not a good size. <laughs> Maybe it is. Kids love Darby, though. Kids uh, love they, oh, no, he connects kids. to people because you can be him, and I think yeah, that yeah. he – Probably should be farther than he is right now, yes. but with all those other signings, it's killed. Can I just say that you said a great point about like the interim? Why is it? This is a time to take a chance, even though Moxley is a safe choice. Yeah. I was thinking, why not like a Malachi? If you're just going to do it in a term, why don't you just see, put his foot in the water for a couple months and see if that works? I find him exciting when he comes out. I, I think people pay attention. I think they should have taken a real broad stroke with it. They, they absolutely should have taken a swing, take a shot, do something. The pay-per-view is already sold out. Mm -hmm. And all the marks who love New Japan Pro Wrestling are going to order this show. A mainstream fan, I know Scott's somewhere screaming, there are no mainstream fans. There's mainstream fans. Raw he's also not going to order the show. Yes, he's going to be, all right, he's going to stream it for free. But that's beside <laughs> the point. The fact of the matter is, is that Tony is playing to a niche because he wants to be cool to the people in the back that, that he desperately wants to be his friends when he needs to worry about the broader audience. You know, that you bring out Will Ospreay, I know who Will Ospreay is tangentially, and it was like he seemed like a big star at the moment because the crowd popped for him. I didn't know who the Aussie guys were, and during the beatdown, you had Excalibur desperately trying to explain how important and special they are. Then David Finley came out, and it's like, I know he's Fitz kid. That's it. But now, because of Excalibur, I know that in 2018, Hangman Adam Page and Dave Finley wrestled in a match, and who the fuck cares Japan, and they won, and you know, they won. Like, it doesn't matter. Uh, the biggest egregious, I can't believe this happened on TV, somebody should have been fired, was Wardlow's promo where he talked about how he wasn't in the Battle Royal because <clears throat> interim champions don't matter, and all he wants to do is face CM Punk. So you Brutal. shit on the Brutal. opening of your show, you shit on your main event, and you shit on the main event of your pay-per-view. Him over, it got him over. It got him over, but that that's it kind of got him over, and then it's going to be 
you know, Mark Sterling's 20 jobbers versus Wardlow, you're going to get that scene from Matrix 2 where they just all run in the ring. He flows <laughs> them all off and they go flying. Wait, 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 wait Robert. Are you saying that Wardlow took a shitter? He took a shitter. There you go. Uh, Marina Shafir, Thunder Rosa. Not only was it kind of clunky, I love Jim Ross absolutely burying the match. And he's like, it feels really early that you're getting this title match. And I'm like, well, you like, come on, dude. Like, I get it. The check clear. You don't care. But holy fuck. And then it's like, yeah, Moxley and Kyle O'Reilly had a fine main event match that if this if the ring was black with yellow ropes, Scott would be like, this is fucking boring. I'm tuning into AEW. I don't want to watch this shit. But because it happened here on TBS, oh, man, was this amazing. It's like it's Kyle O'Reilly is like they pulled the name out of a hat and like, here's the guy we're going to go with this month. Uh, it is a rotating group of people who couldn't cut it in WWE and are kind of showing why they couldn't cut it in WWE. And that's without me mentioning Adam Cole's promo and him holding a title three sizes too big for his body. I am a little bit bummed out. I thought we were going to get Hangman Okada, but now that we're going to get a triple threat with Hangman Cole and Okada, I think that's the direction they're going to. I, I don't understand that. I think Dan was more positive on this episode than Scott even. Oh, yeah. You know, it's weird. Well, that, I mean, like, I can't, the thing is, I can't argue with any of your guys' point. Everyone here made a, de- like, you made decent points. My thing is that I'm still, like, wrestling is stupid. So if there's anything that I'm excited about, like, where I'm like, oh, I love Osprey. I saw Osprey on Dynamite. I'm excited about that. Um, I think you like the potential of what AEW can be, that it should be the alternative, but it's like the most exciting thing on their programming is MJF, who's not okay. there, and is now justifying why you should get a raise. I'll, that I'll when he's not on TV, it's I like, am like with wrestling, okay? My wrestling fandom and why I'm like the easiest lay here. Like somebody, I was seeing, I was like, <laughs> this is comic Mark DeMeo, and I, oh, he yeah. was backstage at Greenwich Comedy Club, and there was these guys that were like dissecting the dark night rises and being like, Oh, this thing's wrong with it. This thing's wrong with it. And I was one of those people too. I didn't really like that movie. And then Mark DeMeo just turns to them. He goes, Hey, does he drive a cool car? And they're like, yeah. He goes, does he get a hot chick? Yeah. He goes, that's all I need from a Batman movie. And sometimes I'm like that with wrestling, man. Like, and I want to say there's nothing wrong with that. Like love what you love. It's just I I, I do get annoyed when 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 people criticize this product and you're accused of not liking wrestling or not even liking it. It's like I don't criticize WWE because I don't watch WWE. I'm still trying to give this shit a chance. Well, no and, one's consistent, man. I've had people call me uh, AEW and a WWE mark. So well, it depends no. on what check cleared that week for Dan. But I, I was talking with someone today about this, and I said <laughs> the thing that the thing that's most damning for me is. It's you have a an entire roster of Oscar winners and you're making a Fast and the Furious movie. It's going to appeal to some degree to people, but you could be doing something so much better. And on an episode where we're roasting Paul Heyman and you're talking about the booking genius of what that guy did, if you gave him a roster that had CM Punk and Brian Danielson and John Moxley and some of these young guys, it would be a game changer and ushering in another attitude ever. Instead, Tony Khan has it in his mind that he's like, I can't work with writers. I can't work with collaborators. It has to be me. And he has a limited bag of tricks. And we're seeing that with a lot of repetitive booking and there's no storyline. And it's like when punk went down, Robert's available, Tony, you should hire Robert. Nah, I'm good. Um, <laughs> I, I've, I, I'm good, but thank you. Because uh, my answer would be just pay MJF twice as much and, and uh, let him run rough shot and fire Mark Sterling. Cause I, 
fucking can't stand Mark Sterling. Man, he is not good. I was thinking no. that last night. I, and he feels like someone I would hang with. I feel like he probably was a comic. I feel like he's a cool hang. And it's nice that a dude like us is there working. And first of all, who the fuck does he? He manages 37 people he represents. Like, like it's all well, over the board. I don't know who he represents anymore. because He, he just shows Tony, up when they want. Tony Nice. Oh, Tony Nice and not Jade yeah. anymore. And then he's with someone else. It's... He, I he might show up at the comedy club. He might be there for me. He was representing MJF a little bit. Like, dude, the guy, the guy has a different color hair and beard color and hosts an action figure podcast. Like, I should love this guy. This is me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and you know what? I, I do love the dude. Like, the guy seems like a cool dude, man, you know, but like. He's just not good at playing a wrestling manager and definitely not good at playing a lawyer because you never believe that he's a lawyer. Like, look, man, WWE went method with the shit and got Clarence Mason, who was an actual lawyer, and he feels like a lawyer. Yeah. But this guy just doesn't, I don't believe that he's guy was a lawyer in law school. Yeah, Clarence Mason was, was Clarence Mason stole a lawyer down here in South Florida. Like oh, okay, wow. occasionally people I know will work with him and be like, hey, did you know this guy? I'm like, yeah. Um, it, it's you it's also should, weird because uh, you, you bring in Stokely, who's really good, and you, you put him in with Jade, and these segments just feel like death. Like, he's trying so hard to make this work, but then you have Red Velvet and, and Kara Hogan, who are like charisma vacuums, that as soon as they start talking, this segment dies. And I'm thrilled they got Stokely, and eventually they'll give him the right person, but like, he should have been the guy bringing in that Sutton Singh, uh, whatever situation oh, like, come on you just destroyed your entire argument with that but if it, he could make <laughs> but i'm saying he could make that work like he he is talented they just I need mean, to give him the right Jade spot Cargill work he's not i i actually think you know i think he's doing a good job i just think no, the whole Jade, thing is it's, but it's the women's division well it's just not produced well you know what i mean like stokely like when you give stokely's own like when he did that um nxt the boys to men or no he did the puff daddy uh goodbye to the uh title that was like one of the most creative things i've seen somebody in that company do um but you got to give him i mean you say you're creative you say you're the creative person's company well just let them fucking be creative then you know there was a um, moment on this show that i am amazed robert did not mention as a, a guy who does the production nitpicks and stuff which is during the battle royal when Hager was beating Kingston and they were talking about, they never showed it. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty bad. And then, and then not having the mic ready for hangman when he started talking and it was still filtered through the headset was pretty, uh, was pretty unforgivable for a national television show. That's well, prescripted. Well, well, but to be fair, the mic wasn't ready to be turned on and hangman wasn't ready to say what he wanted to say. <laughs> Everyone's just waiting. <laughs> You got, can I, I mean, ask you this? A little, they are killing. They are killing Hangman. I got to say, like they're not doing great. They're not doing great by that guy at all. What's well, worse than just killing him? It's the fact that his title run was so disastrous, and yet Tony Khan keeps saying it was the I wouldn't best say ever. disaster. It was a disaster. Was a it was disastrous. He did. It was snake Ginger Mahal. I'm talking about an AEW. Let's not fucking compare it to you know the Jack Swagger title run or something. I mean, like he that, was but, a world champion that wasn't on the show every week. I think that's a bad sign. But the challenge here is. Is his title run was not good, but then you have Tony Khan out there saying it was the greatest title run that they've ever had, and it damages Tony's credibility. Like he has to modulate what he's saying when he's out there, 
And it's you you can see it with your own eyes and what it is. And then when you stop believing Tony Khan and then pile on the MJF promo, it's going to blow up in Tony's face. And again, to go back to the Heyman thing, Heyman position, it is us versus the world. And right now, Tony Khan's credibility kind of keeps taking you know hits with his core audience. You're not wrong at all. I will say this with the last two champions that they've crowned horrible luck with, with their snake bitten with injuries and with Moxley's rehab. Because apparently Moxley was going to win whatever tournament they had two months ago, three months ago when Hangman won, uh, because they have to have a, a tournament every five seconds. Um, and he was going to take, he was, it seemed like a heel Moxley was going to take on Paige as Paige's first guy. And then of course, Punk getting hurt. So they've been snake bitten creatively with that. I would have liked to seen what they could have done with those guys healthy. Pages was very boring. He is spectacular. I think a bunch of us met him when we were at uh, All In years ago. He was a, a very charismatic, cool dude behind the scenes. Awesome. That, But it just, there was no one to really feed him, and nothing felt real with him. And it's weird, man. I was telling people that Punk should win, and they were looking at me crazy. And some of my friends, I'm texting like, oh, man, this sucks. Page should get better. And I'm like, you know what, man? He's like 25. What, is he going to hold the belt for 15 fucking years? You know, he can start over again and get the belt again and you can rebuild him but they aren't doing him any favors making him like the millennial or gen z austin i don't think that really he's like the most boring over person i've ever seen is that fair like that that title ring felt like nothing was happening the whole time even though he is incredibly over with that audience person. That's first, first of all it's a title not a belt a belt is what holds up your pants Sorry. Yeah. The belt is what no one on this podcast wears. <laughs> I got one. Sometimes Robert's got a programming title. comes back in. Uh, yeah, the, my, the, the V chip in my brain went off. I think you guys, I still think you guys are a little too hard, but we're moving on. We're moving on to premium current events. Uh, Robert, what do we got this week? On uh, Sunday night at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, which was infinitely better than it had any right to be in terms of it wasn't a total disaster of a show. I, I will say this, yeah, I, I just to tag on to this, this is the first week in a, while, in a long time where I think WWE had a better week creatively than AEW, for sure. They, they did, and in the main event of that show, uh, Cody Marie Rhodes went out there with a torn pectoral muscle and was one third purple, which is a full on dusty and put on a classic against Seth freaking Rollins uh, in the main event. He was legitimately hurt. It was a, a gutsy uh, match that was not dangerous in that he was cleared to do it. He was not putting himself in any real long-term physical danger beyond the fact that you already have a torn pec. Uh, it was a match where half of that crowd in Chicago was, and I said this last week in the preview, a lot of AEW fans who wanted to just bury and shit on Cody. And even they came around and started cheering this guy. Uh, WWE made Cody Rhodes the baby face that they couldn't have done his first run. It showed the benefit of having AEW, of guys leaving and finding themselves. And, and it also showed that, you know, every once in a while, WWE is going to put on a really strong in-ring product. And I just think it was great to have something on his body that was harder to look at than the neck tattoo. <laughs> Away and from also a, a brilliant use of sledgehammers. Uh, they really make them believable and compelling. And whatever I was in it, they had a poke bike. 
Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I I really loved. I mean, I did love this. It's going to be my one of my high spots this week is definitely that event between Cody and Seth. Yeah, I I, 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 I watched this match going. because you guys all really like touted it, and I I genuinely I think that this is four fifths of a of an incredible match because you know yeah when you have reality in your wrestling and the guy is really fucking hurt and you can see it. It, it's great yeah the i i i've said it a long time sledgehammers take me out of wrestling no one actually hits someone with a sledgehammer like that i have read 60 years of thor comics thor does not put his hand on mjolnir and then bump you in the face with it he fucking waves it and swings it around like a badass because thor's trying to kill you this is an athletic competition involving hammers of guys that are trying to kill each other, but <laughs> maybe Thor's been doing it wrong all these years, Mike. You ever think about that? Yeah. Maybe but his fundamentals were shot from a young age, and no one corrected him. There's a reason Thor never rose above Asgard the Asgard the cell. There's a reason Thor never rose above the All Asgard title. That's right. Oh, just give give Tony uh, another uh, two months and and uh, Peter Dinklage as an elf to make that for him. <laughs> I love that belt. Can we get that belt at Forbidden uh, Half yeah. Open Door, whatever we want to call it now? Cody Khan, here is your gold. <laughs> but um, is that the first Eatry the Dwarf impression? I hope. Um, right. Yes, no, I, that's what killing you means. Sorry. No, I feel I like really, Beta Ray Bell would will with yeah, a belt until the end. The sledgehammers and the multiple finishers. It's like, just do one, man. Like because it really was fucking intriguing. And it had a different pace than anything I've seen in a while. And the the one big compliment that I will give Helena Cell, even though this is the only match I watched, three-hour show. Good job. <laughs> it, was a, it, was, it was a way more watchable show. Started there started and ended stinkers. the same day. That's a pretty big plus. Huge. There were some stinkers on there. But let's get to high spot, low spot. I have a tie for high spot for myself. It would be the Cody-Seth match. And... Edge is at a judgment day. Um, this is a, a tentative high spot because, you know, odds are they're going to keep judgment day going long enough to get an edge and in, in Finn Balor match where I guess Finn's the demon. And apparently the reason I thought it was because they needed more baby faces um, because, you know, Cody's going to be out. But apparently the reason is that like they told edge the new direction they're going with it. And he goes, yeah, just kick me out. Just kick me. Out. <laughs> so, like whatever's happening next with Judgment Day is like even worse. And Edge was just like, yeah, I just, yeah, just, I don't want to do anything supernatural. Just kick me out. So, uh, but the good thing is Edge is out now. Edge can do other shit. So and, you're saying uh, that on this day he saw clearly. Yeah, he did. And realized uh, he should get out of the angle. I bet you he wishes he saw that creative before he cut his hair. <laughs> Low spot is I canceled Observer a week ago and I bought it again today. Oh. Wow. <sighs> Sorry. All right. Next up, Mike, high spot, low spot. <laughs> okay. Um, my high spot is the MJF stuff just because we don't know. And that's exciting, man. Like, I, I hope for the best. I want him to be in AEW as long as possible. But nobody fully knows what's real and what isn't. And there is intrigue behind it. Um, and just having, dude, just having someone that I'm this excited about in wrestling, like, is, I mean, this guy is fucking fantastic. And yeah, you really felt his absence last night. 
Um, there, you know, the show didn't feel like it had a focal point, and any episode he's on, he feels like that. Um, my my um, low spot, I, I think this is an easy one. It is all the injuries. Um, it yeah. it sucks, man. Like in helping anything, whether whether or you know, like it, it is happening a lot to uh, wrestlers I like, but even. If it's a wrestler I don't like or someone I make fun of on this show, I don't want to see anyone get hurt, man. Like these people are fucking working hard and trying their best and to pull muscle or bust a foot or whatever it is. Like I, I don't know if fucking uh, more needs to be done in terms of analyzing how wrestlers wrestle or are, are way more people getting hurt. Is this just bad? timing and a coincidence of it being this many people at once i that i don't know but it is very unfortunate and um you know i, I wish a speedy recovery to everyone that's hurt i mean the cody performance was fucking amazing i know that that happened in the gym but it's like uh yeah man i think he's gonna be what out for like till january i mean you know who knows when punk will come back when brian will come back and Cody out until he's out until january that's that yeah. long they haven't given I a, heard, a real... but I, I could be wrong. I, you know, that I, I'd heard that, um, yeah. but I could be completely wrong there. But yeah, all these guys, um, it fucking sucks, man. Uh, especially, especially a guy like you know Punk or Brian who are in their forties. Like we only have so much time left with them. Um, and uh, speaking of uh, you know injuries, I can't wait for that Hardy's ladder match next week. <laughs> oh boy, James, high spot was spot this week. I mean, I don't want to be basic, but the high spot is uh, the American uh, nightmare. Just half his body looks like it's going to fall off, which was amazing. <laughs> I love the realness is the best. As we always say, him crying. I love I love a wrestler who cries. I love it. It's a great way to get over. You could say whatever about the chops and the robes. Flair crying 90% of the time at the tail end of his career, the last 15 years. Wonderful. I'm into it every time. Cody crying at the end, it's great. I want him to just keep crying. I, I get so compelled. I start crying. Like I'm watching Goodwill Hunting on the plane like I did a month ago next to a guy in Staten Island who called me a word we can't say here. But um, I enjoy it. That was the highlight to me. Low light is I get back from the gym and I'm coming up here to clean up and get ready to do this. And I have a bag from Pro Wrestling Tees and I'm excited to debut my Andre the Giant in Beats uh, headphones beats by Andre shirt. And I was like, this is the perfect time to do it on a wrestling podcast. And they sent me the wrong shirt and it's a goddamn Dan Housen shirt. No offense uh, to him, but I'm a 44 year old man and I'm not wearing that on this podcast or to the fucking comedy star tonight. So, <laughs> so give me another one. God damn it. It ain't happening. Mix up Andre with Dan house. It, what are we doing here? Not even by Andre. That's a great shirt. Very I'm nice. Gonna rock very it tonight. evil. Yeah. <laughs> right. Want a peanut? Yeah, let's remake uh, A Prince's Bride with him in the Andre <laughs> Ball. Let's have some fun with it then. Let's go the whole nine, goddammit. I think Dan Housen's Sicilian. <laughs> he is. Robert, high spot, low spot. Uh, my high spot, I have two. The first was Cody's promo on Raw. Uh, it was it was delivered like a shoot of a an emotional, uh, what, it, what it meant to, to step in the ring, and, and I want my daughter to see this. Then Seth coming out and saying, you know, Dusty was proud of you. And you're like, wow, this is a good close of this. And then Seth turning it into an angle was uh, was great. My other high spot is Ryback, friend of the show, favorite uh, 
the mascot of the show, tweeting about how WWE supposedly reached out to him to replace Cody going forward as the top baby face on <laughs> uh, He is the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, uh, my low spot of the week. Every violent death is a tragedy. That said, the mainstream media would have you believe that America is the land of gun violence and mass shooting, when in fact, our per capita rates of gun deaths are actually much lower than many other countries. This according to Isaac Yankum, DDS, elected (laughs) official, who finally has revealed himself to be the biggest fucking heel. And I'm kind of sad that when Undertaker burned their house down, that he survived. Uh, We clearly roasted Kane way too early to realize how much of a fucking lunatic Glenn Jacobs is. And uh, he is a a fine civil servant. And uh, fuck you, Glenn. He was pro-Russia and anti-Ukraine. It's utterly insane. That's a a neoconservative. Well, you know, there's reason. That's like the libertarian wing of the party. Um, which, which, you know, there's, there's debate about whether we should be. I mean, we all knew he was a bad guy when we saw what he did to Zach Ryder and Mentes. The, the Ukraine thing, I think, is a little bit. It, it's just people don't want people don't want billions spent in a foreign country when we have our fucking systems are falling apart here. But that's usually not the libertarians' argument. That's just more of a liberal argument. Anyway, forty minutes Scott about Martin, dynamite, thirty seconds about Ukraine. That's what you uh, get on this show. Fair balance. What we are, Russell. Fair balance. Scott, uh, Scott wanted uh, me to remind our audience that he loved the Cody Hell in a Cell match. Loved it. So I think he wanted to just prove that he's not like, you know, fully the bag for AEW. Um, let's get to plugs. Mr. Mattern. Guys, thank, thank you for having more. me. It's just spectacular. Absolutely. This is good to Come spit this out. I- other than the same two people I talk to every week about this, and, and I, I question my own sanity at this age. Uh, the James Matter on Instagram and YouTube. And yeah, man, I just put out the check spot. I'm very proud of it. It is on my YouTube, YouTube page. James Matter, the check spot. It is the worst part. It is a love letter to the worst part of the comedy show when the bills get dropped and no one pays attention. The whole special is me doing that in black and white. It looks like fucking Jim Jarmusch. Uh, directed it. It's directed by the great Patrick Holbert, where you have interviews. It's raw. It is uncomfortable at times. It, I get getting out of holes, and I'm very proud of it. So I hope you all watch it, man, because it felt really punk rock and indie wrestling. This feels like uh, something Scott would have loved seven years ago or not. I don't even know at this point. Just, um, just to our fans who are in, into comedy, the check spot is basically 925 on an episode of Dynamite. Yeah, or it's like a popcorn match. It, it's at that point where it's just that chaos, who gives a shit? And I decided to put the whole goddamn thing out, and I'm proud of it, and uh, I hope you all watch it, man, because it, it means the world to me, and I put a lot of money into it, and I'm going to be uh, living in the streets soon. <laughs> well, congratulations, buddy. Mike. Yeah, man, uh, support uh, James. He's a really fucking great, Thank funny you, comic, and uh, I'm excited to watch that. Yeah, I've done... The check spot. <laughs> we all have many, yeah. many a time, you know, and then and then uh, Mark Sterling comes out and says we're gonna uh, have a match with twenty guys next week. But you know, um, <laughs> no, you get you see me on uh, Mike Lawrence Comedy on Instagram, and I'm often in the Facebook page. Uh, might be a little less now, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, but uh, yeah, it's a fun time. Mr. Karpolis, 
Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. I also want to give a plug for a friend of the show, Jacqueline Moore, who has uh, the debut of Queer as Folk uh, came out this week. And it's just great to have someone on our podcast have a show on Peacock. <laughs> oh, at some point, I'm going to get Robert back. Uh, I have. Uh, uh, my, I, I dance Saint Germain on on Instagram. Please, please check out. I'm putting new videos up like almost every day. Doing stand up around. I'm doing the flare roast with Mike and. Uh, right. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what's happening in the future, folks. Zach, wash your hands. Woo! <laughs>